Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? And guys, today we are continuing our series of interviews. We're doing our first series of interviews for Originality Podcast. And we are so excited to have it with us today, Joseph Neville. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so glad we could make this work with my busy, busy schedule. <laughs> We're so excited, though. So Joseph is a Enneagram 4. He is representing our, our four-type interview today. Joseph is an incredible singer-songwriter. Yes. Like, I, I think me and Amanda both agree. Like, one of our favorite singer-songwriters. And we are just yep. so lucky and blessed to actually get to know him. Um, he... I, does music full time and that's the coolest thing in the whole world so he's brilliant but also so encouraging and challenging of other creatives and so supportive of people just an all-around really genuinely kind person so we are so blessed and honored to have you here thanks (laughs) i've been looking forward to this all week me too honestly same same um yes (laughs) I think I think there's like a good consensus of we're excited for this conversation. Also, I feel like and I've said this before in the podcast, but like I love the Enneagram for it. There's something about it. Mm, we are just very special. <laughs> <laughs> just like they're the artsy, the unique, the kind of mysterious, but like let's break down those layers and peel back the onion as Shrek would say and let's find out who the four is. You ready? You ready, ready for that joke? I'm ready. So every time I go to a friend's house and I can sense that a conversation about the Enneagram is starting, like I get really excited. And so today it's been like I just know that that's going to be the emphasis and it's it's yeah the most satisfying thing well Let's we we love that you love the enneagram obviously we we fully relate to anytime you hear in, in the back of the room the enneagram conversation coming up i just brings That's me such where joy you go. <laughs> um so yes. it's it's awesome to be in the company yeah. of like-minded people so joseph how did you come across the enneagram how did you first learn about it? How did you find your type? And what was kind of your your introduction to and, and initial process of learning about the Enneagram? Yeah. So my initial uh, thoughts on the Enneagram before I really knew about the types, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was another like, answer these 10 questions and we'll tell you what Disney princess you are, like <laughs> kind of quiz. And I was, I was touring with a guy named Paul Diemer, great songwriter. And it was just me and him in a green key of soul. And I was not, I don't think I was doing very well personally, spiritually, mentally. And so he felt like I could benefit from hearing about the Enneagram. And so kind of nonchalantly and very gently, he just said, hey, I think you should listen to this episode of this podcast. And it was the Sleeping at Last song story. We are fans. What a perfect way to introduce a four to the Enneagram. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A four singer-songwriter. Like, Yes. So being being the great friend he he is, he knew not to be like, hey, I think you're this. You should listen to this. He was just like, hey, I would like to listen to this episode. That's a good friend. A very good friend, and it was a. I think that is a big part of why I was so open to what what the what the guy had to say. And so he 
just asked if we could play it. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we're listening. And then the thing that got me the most was um, because he does the interview with the Enneagram professional. I can't remember what his name is. Christopher Hewitt. Christopher Hewitt, yeah. Um, And so as he was speaking about the Enneagram, it, it really felt like somebody was saying out loud for the first time all these things that I had thought and felt like my entire life. And so not to be too overly dramatic, but in that car, I remember getting pretty misty eyed, feeling like, oh my gosh, like this person is reading my mail. This person is pinpointing and describing things that I've felt and dealt and struggled with for all these years. And it was incredibly moving. And so having that experience, it made me want to go back home and read more about it, find out more about it. And I knew that there are a lot of people in my community who were fans of it. And so, you know, the same way I am now, as soon as I would ask someone about it, they were more than happy to dive into what their thoughts and feelings are about it. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, honestly, it's not an understatement to say it, it really was a life-changing thing, learning about it and applying, um, you know, the concepts that are presented through it. And so, yeah, it was through my friend Paul while we were on tour and we were miles away from home. It was just me and him and we listened to a podcast and that was it. The beginning of my Enneagram journey. That is so magical and like so perfect for a four. Like you're out somewhere, Playing not in shows your own. every night. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, whoa, you have this crazy epiphany. Someone like just reads your mail. Like, oh, I love that. That's so cool. Okay. So in learning about your Enneagram type, what have you resonated with the most about the four? I think the desire for significance, that feels weird to mm. say out loud, but I think it's something most fours encounter and either struggle with or thrive off of. And, you know, before the, before the Enneagram, I always had the, a theory that our weaknesses and our strengths are sort of tied together. So if, if somebody, for example, is like kind of confrontational or loud, like that can be, that can manifest as a weakness, but that probably means that they're good at leading, that they're good at pointing out things that need to be pointed out, that they're good at, you know, calling things out. Um, and so, I've always felt like if there's something that I feel like is off, like there's a good chance it's tied to a strength that I have. And so I think fours um, often deal with like feelings being overwhelming, uh, really dealing with like the big existential questions and those things like kind of seeping into the day to day. And I like that the Enneagram points out that those things don't have to be weaknesses. That Those are actually good traits to have if we hone them, if we submit them. Uh, if we learn how to help them manifest themselves in healthier ways. And so, you know, dealing with the feels, dealing with the big questions, uh, but then at the same time understanding that, hey, this is not a bad thing. Like this thing is manifesting itself at times, maybe negatively, but there are ways to approach that, to deal with that. Uh, And I should actually celebrate these things that are, you know, stereotypical of fours. Can you give like a practical example of like, what do you mean by... Like, what is one of those things that, like, would manifest in a positive or or negative way? Yeah. So, you know, thinking about relationships or uh, career paths and sometimes getting overwhelmed by, like, this is how I feel. This is what my feelings are telling me that I want to do. And But at the same time, I think I know, based off of information, based off of wisdom, based off of advice from friends, that I should do this other thing. And... Um, I think someone who is an unhealthy for or allows their feelings to drive the ship or steer the bus, they're more inclined to make those more feelings-based decisions. And uh, so for me, it was, this is what my feelings are telling me to do, but this is what I know truth is. This is what I believe 
the healthier option is. So I'm going to choose this other thing, even though it kind of goes against what I feel like my nature is telling me. And I think just being aware of that can help you identify those moments and make a healthier, a better choice. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's so good. So it's kind of the way that we word that here at Originality Podcast, which every Enneagram teacher words it slightly different. But we talk about how the Enneagram exposes the scheme of the enemy to take the way that God has gifted you, what he's called you to do, what he's always called you to show up in the world and Mm -hmm. twist that and and weaponize it against you. And so what you're saying and talking about the four is is the, the strength of feeling, the awareness of emotion, the strong feeling of a four. Fours have a tendency to struggle with over identifying with that emotion and then they get stuck in it. But it's really meant they are called to be able to process those healthily and well and be able to use that as a force, like as a a gift. It's a a gift to be able to um, empathize with others, to be able to be aware of, of beauty in the world because their, their, their emotions are at the surface. So they're moved by things in a way people should be moved where a lot of people will numb or push it down or uh, be so busy that they don't, they don't, they aren't aware of their feelings. Like, like threes or eights both have a tendency. They're so efficiency minded and they want to get stuff done that they tend to not value their feelings. Mm -hmm. They, that that's taking away from getting things done. So I don't have a value for feeling that. But the the beauty of the four is they show up in the world with the power to unlock that in other people. And and it's such a it's such a beautiful thing that fours do. But the unhealth is in looking for significant identity and looking for um, I, I need to have my place. I need to be unique. I need to be special. Yeah. They over identify with their emotions in in order to to almost And it it happens in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes that looks like a victim mentality or kind of branding yourself off of the painful emotions that you felt or what you've been through Mm -hmm. or just, you know, creating a false idea, like, like shutting that down and trying to like not be who you are and, and walking out something totally different, which is true of all the personality types. If you've received a negative label over something that you're really called to. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it was, um, you know, I have these overwhelming feelings, this uh, desire to do this or that. And I think the Enneagram exposes like, hey, these are these are things that God has actually put inside of you to be good, to be helpful, to be, you know, positive. And, you know, like anything else, like the theme of living as a Christian is this idea of like God created this perfect world, like designed this perfect system, and then sin and imperfection finds its way. And all the problems and things that we deal with are results of this perfect thing getting a little bit out of whack, you know? And so I think that that was the most encouraging thing about the Enneagram was realizing like, hey, like I get overwhelmed by my feelings. Sometimes I think too much about this. Sometimes I stew. Sometimes I think too much about A, B, and C. And I think what the Enneagram exposed and illuminated for me was like, hey, like all that stuff is coming from a place that God actually put there to be a good and helpful thing. And if you do the work and if you submit it and if you... Um, ask for that wisdom. Like those things that have been hindrances, that have been obstacles can actually be gifts, not just for your own life, but for like the people that you're around. Like you said, like the threes or eights or people who have a hard time tapping into that, like can benefit from having relationships with, with fours. And so, yeah, that was a paradigm shift of like, I'm not mentally ill. Like I don't have some crazy problem that's 
unovercomable. I don't know if that's a word, but like, mm. but I have this thing. I have like this personality that's unique and, and interesting and cool. And just like any other gift, like a scalpel or a guitar or a car, like if I'm not careful with it and healthy with it and trained, then like mm. I can really do some damage with that, you know, to yeah. myself or to others. But if I am wise and diligent and healthy, then I can use those things to actually do some incredible stuff to build the kingdom, yeah. to help others, to create beautiful things, hopefully to and to live a life that is full of meaning and full of significance and mm -hmm. purpose. And so the Enneagram, I think, illuminated that for me in my own head of these are all gifts. You have to train uh, and ask for wisdom and use them appropriately. And yeah, it's been really helpful. So since learning about the Enneagram, what... Um, how has your relationship with your emotions changed? Yeah. So, uh, like I said earlier, I think I've decided and learned to, um, understand that feelings come and go like, you know, like a wave, like, and there's not much mm -hmm. I can do about, you know, getting rid of this feeling, but where I do have power is to decide what I'm going to do, what I'm going to act off of. And, uh, I can remember when I was at my probably my most unhealthiest was just feeling overwhelmed by a, a, an amount of negative feelings, but making the conscious decision that I'm going to act off of what I believe is true, what I know is true. And even though I'm feeling these things really deeply, I'm not going to allow them to influence the decisions I make mm -hmm. about my day, about my future, about my relationships with others. And it took a lot of work because I think for fours, it's a, it's a hard thing when your feelings and your beliefs don't line up. And I think mm -hmm. that that's a hard, that's an important thing to identify is that that will happen sometimes. Like you'll feel this thing and you'll believe this thing and sometimes they'll be at odds. And more often than not, it's better to go with what you believe and what you know. Mm -hmm. And even if it, even, uh, and this is something I told a friend recently who was dating a four. Um, when fours, when fours see what they're feeling and see what they're, thinking and knowing, and they choose the latter, they choose truth, they choose, they choose what they know, it often, it often can make them feel like they're being disingenuous, you yeah. know, or disingenuous. And so I had to get over that. I think that that was an obstacle or a lie that I believed was, if I'm ever acting opposite of what my feelings tell me, that I'm being ingenuine. And in fact, I was just using wisdom and uh, yeah. being wise and, and, uh, being healthy. And, and over time, the more I did that, the more I saw my truth, uh, my feelings rather, my feelings and truth lining up and sinking, you know, more often. And, and yeah, and, and it's, that, that is something I've experimented with and applied and I found to lead to really great results. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so good. I, it reminds me of some advice I received from uh, my sister-in-law this year when I was processing some heavy emotions, just had like this heavy sadness. And um, I was so frustrated because I wanted to show up at church or at like a friend's birthday party or like wherever it was that we were going or whatever it was we were doing and be me and be who I know I am. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it was not genuine because I was processing this heavy sadness. And she told me like, you can show up as who you know you are and be confident and be who you know you are. And, and I, I actually had my therapist um, gave some advice about how we're hidden in Christ. He goes before us and he goes behind us. And it, it's not about us. It's about him. And, and when we 
we know that we can walk in humility and in confidence at the same time as who we know we are, no matter where our feelings are at. And um, I feel like that's that's something I've been learning this year. I'm still learning. It's a hard lesson um, to, to be able to, to process your emotions well. And I feel like that's going to be a lifelong lesson for me, uh-huh. you know, but um, it's it's so core and so um so so what you're saying is so true and so powerful and i feel like there's such um there's so much wisdom in that for all of the types um because i believe we can all learn from all the types but um i really love how you worded that that was really good thanks yeah and i i think you know what force often do well is understanding that if they're in a i call it a funk you know like if you're feeling a certain way and you can't quite pinpoint where that's coming from or why i think fours are patient and understand that they just got to make space for this and uh you know continue to act and be gracious and kind and hopefully like entertaining and you know warm to everyone but understanding that um you know this feeling it could be because of something I ate. It could be because of something going on, you know, back home or, or whatever. Um, but regardless, um, yeah, giving, having grace for yourself and giving space for that feeling uh, and understanding that you don't have to let those feelings lead how you're going to live and interact. And Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. So in learning about the Enneagram, what has challenged you the most as a four? That's a good question. I don't want to like keep repeating the same points, but I think I still am working on the idea of making decisions and allowing truth to lead my not only big, you know, life choices, but, you know, day-to-day interactions, attitudes towards people um, versus feelings and understanding that I'm not being, you know, ingenuine by letting truth lead how I interact, how I choose. And I think another beautiful thing about, so the, the whole idea of force desiring significance and desiring to have a uh, like a profound life to be known to be celebrated i think that that's an easy thing to grow into an unhealthy place but again you know it's it's a it's a gift it's a gift to not be okay with just living uh, a life of normalcy i think it's a gift to wake up every day and think like what am i going to be remembered for what Am I doing with the gift of life that I've been given? Um, and I think what's beautiful is that I think I think fours living outside of the context of the gospel and outside of Christianity have it particularly rough because Christ and the gospel offer the solution to that desire for significance, which is you are called to be significant. You are called to live a life of profound meaning. But that significance is always meant to point, aim, and traject towards another person, you know, that person being Christ. And the profound life we desire um, is offered to us, like when we follow the Lord, when we take up what he's called us to do, uh, when we love others. And so I think I still have to remind myself that it's good that I wake up with this sense of how am I living a life of significance, but it's not always on the front of my mind that like, oh yeah, like that is so that I can build the kingdom. And I think for me, if I'm being completely honest, it's it's easy to get into a routine of like, I want to have more listeners. I want to have more of a following. I want to do less shows as an entertainer, more shows as an artist. And so my day-to-day quest for significance, I think, can often revert back to, you know, my own kingdom. And uh, I have to constantly remind myself and surround myself with people who remind me 
that I meant to actually tell a different story, a story about someone else, um, that I meant to build a different kingdom that's much bigger and much more beautiful than my own. My kingdom would be so bad if, uh, <laughs> if, it, were the, if it were the one, you know? So, yeah, I'm still learning how to do that, and uh, I think I will be doing that until I, you know, until I die. Uh, mm. But, yeah. So, you know, I talk a lot about when, as I talk about personalities, I talk about identity. I talk about the fact that I really believe that every individual person, we, we are, we are corporately all together uh, created in the image of God. And so I believe every person reveals an aspect of God's love, light, and glory, an aspect of his image that nobody else can. Mm-hmm. So as someone who obviously has processed a lot of what, who am I that nobody else is? Do you feel like you have an answer for the question? And it's okay if you don't. What aspect of God's image do you reveal to the world that nobody else does? What do you? What's the purpose that you feel like? I wake up in the morning. This is what I have to offer the world. That if I was not on this earth, like this aspect of who God is wouldn't be seen. That's a, that's a, an enormous question. I know, I know, and that's yeah. why I was like, <laughs> this this may not be like this is yeah, not I th- yeah. And, I love it though. I love obviously I love big questions. So I'll I'll yeah. give it a I'll give it a, I'll take a whack at it. Um, I think I um, I feel a sense of calling and passion for people who um, grew up in the Western church, particularly like in the South and who grew up, you know, in the evangelical culture and maybe, maybe had a negative experience with that world. Um, and I think when I was growing up, my idea of God didn't include this belief that he really understands and knows me, you know? And I joke a lot about like writing sad songs and, um, you know, they, they lovingly call my genre of music, sad guitar guy music. And, um, and I used to struggle with that because I, when I was younger, I believed that if you're a Christian, you have to write songs that are, you know, it's a great big house with lots and lots of food kind of thing. Not that those songs are bad, but, um, they were never the songs I wanted to write or felt I could write. And, um, I think what I love helping people see and understand is that God knows their sadness, that he knows their pain, that he knows their feelings and I like writing stuff and creating stuff and having conversations with people that illuminate that idea that, that God um, not only sees our feelings, he sees our funks and our pain and our overwhelming, you know, bouts of whatever, um, depression, anger, uh, whatever. It could be empathy. But not only does he see and, and know those things, but he understands them more deeply than even we do, you know? So... I think when I was younger, I would have these funks and have these, and you know, like melancholy is one of my favorite words because melancholy is being sad, but taking pleasure in being sad, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's just perfect. And so I remember would I would feel melancholy. It would be driving through an old town, listening to an old song, seeing an old, an old uh, friend. And I just remember when I was younger, believing that, oh, God doesn't really see that, doesn't really understand that because that's not what Christians create and dialogue about. And, uh, as I got older and I think more mature, hopefully, um, and more, I think, aware of who God is, I think I un- like began to believe that God not only sees that, but he understands it, uh, not only as much as I do, but more so, you know? So mm-hmm. for now as, a, as an older four, as an older songwriter, understanding that when I'm in a funk, um, it's something that 
the Lord sees and the Lord knows, and the Lord knows so well that he actually can walk me through it better than anyone else could. And so, mm. yeah, I think I like helping people build that bridge and helping them see that God is not this absent, distant figure that doesn't get us, you know, but he's someone who knows us deeply. And because of the, I think, baggage that we so often deal with, we we have a very shallow view of who God is. And I think we underestimate how much he knows us and how much all the things that we're dealing with come from the wiring that, you know, he created in us, you know? And so, like you mentioned earlier, like one of the lies of the enemy, one of the lies of sin is that God doesn't know this, God doesn't see this, God can't help us. And I think the truth is that the very reason we were feeling these things is because God put something inside of us that is, you know, for whatever reason has gotten off track, has gotten out of whack, and he's the very person we should be going to whenever we feel those funks. And we don't have to hide, we don't have to moderate or edit, you know, how we present that to him. Uh, and I love, I love helping people see that, whether it's through a conversation or whether it's through a song. Um, just knowing that they're not alone, that the feeling that they're feeling, other people are feeling as well. And there is growth and there's health and there's a lot of benefit to connecting through that. And yeah, I love that. That's what I hope to do whenever I put out music and play shows that people hear something or see something that makes them understand that they're not alone. And I think that that is often a, a good first step into ultimately bringing those things to the Lord. Mm. You know? Yeah, that's beautiful. So what I'm hearing you say is that you really are called to introduce people to God as someone who can sit with them in their melancholy, who can meet them where they are, that they don't have to gear up to be happy in order to be with God or have a different energy level or intensity or be in a place that they're not, that the Lord can meet them right where they are. Yeah, Absolutely. Man, that's so beautiful. What you just said was like one of the most beautiful <laughs> ways that I've heard someone talk about having a relationship with the Lord because we try to skip mm. over all that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like create this version of ourselves where it's like we're ready to yeah. be with God. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. I, uh... it's, I think it's religion. I mean, I think it's just like a really bad part of religion yeah that have you ever do you remember this is like kind of a deep cut maybe a weird thing to say but i remember being young and being told that depression is often uh a result of some unconfessed sin you know and uh wow. i uh so the so any and i i remember being younger and and you know feeling depressed at times and whenever i would feel depressed mm. it, it, it felt like oh it, there must be something that i'm doing wrong and so instead of wanting to run to the Lord with these feelings, I felt ashamed of them because I thought that there was a sign that there's something wrong inside of me or I did something bad that make, is making me sad. And uh, I think it's just a really uh, powerful lie. Uh, and so I just, I, I think it's healthy to remind people that God sees, God knows, and he empathizes, and he wants to sit with us in that and get us through that and that no one else can do it better than him, you know? And I think for me, at least, that was the biggest lie I had to overcome was that when I feel this deep melancholic feeling, when I feel this deep sadness, that it's something that is creating distance between God and myself. And in reality, I think those things can often 
help us come back to the Lord. And and honestly, I think there have been many times in my life where the Lord wanted to speak something specific to me, like through that, whether it was the status being a result of something or there was something that the Lord wanted to, you know, help me understand or see in a better light. And I don't think I did that when I was younger because I believe that it was this thing that he didn't understand or that he didn't want to be a part of, you know, didn't want to engage with me in. So I don't know. I like explaining to people that that's not true. Yeah, that's so good. But like hearing you describe that, but also knowing who you are and like just the conversations that we've had and also like I love your music and like listening to the songs that you write like I feel like you do actually accomplish that. So it's cool to like hear you say that out loud and be like, "Oh yeah, that's that's what you do and you do it so well." And so I feel like that's just a really good answer to that yeah. question. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a rabbit trail. I'm just yes. going to verbally process and see what happens. I love it. Um, I love it. This and, is my favorite. <laughs> so I'm I'm thinking about the four and I'm thinking about, you know, the just they're so authentic and they're so honest through and through. And I mean, obviously, any any personality type can be unhealthy and be dishonest. Mm-hmm. But um, just thinking about how. Um, you know, we, we call the four the romantic and we talk about how they tend to romanticize things or see it as, you know, very, very poetic or very, you know, they're, they can be very fluffy and how they word things, you know, yeah. and unrealistic um, expectations. And, yes. Yeah. But, but I actually wonder if they're just very honest and they see the world the way it is. And that leads them to have very strong emotion. Cause I'm thinking about like, okay, f- from the standpoint, I'm a seven. I reframe everything in the positive and, and then don't deal with my feelings until it causes anxiety and I have to like go see a therapist. That's what the seven does. Um, not always. And maybe I'm more extreme, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I actually think like, like for the, like the world is really sad. Like, like, like reality is, is, is here we go. <laughs> okay, now we're really getting into <laughs> But like, like what if like you're just a four and you're a kid and you're seeing things the way they are? Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually kind of normal to like deal with like strong emotion and sadness and bouts of depression and melancholy and and because you're seeing life the way it is. Like I I often think about like, man, like, you know, we're we're all going to die and the earth is going to be thrown into like a fire and half the people won't even make it to heaven and we just like walk around and go about our day as yeah. if everything's normal and everything's fine and we get focused on these small yeah. things Killing and, these little, time. and and like how are we not all freaking out all the time you know like yeah. and, and and um but like i actually wonder if fours just are more honest from a younger age hmm. about how about about reality yeah I think maybe they're just more in tune with that because that's something that's, man, like I'm reading, I'm on a big Soren Kierkegaard kick right now, you know, and they call him father of existentialism. Existentialism being this thing that uh, is an overwhelming sense of like, what do I do with my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think, again, like, you know, there's a healthy way to that. There's a healthy way that that can manifest and an unhealthy way that that can manifest. And I think it's helpful if a 
portion of our population is really in tune with the idea of like, we don't have much time here, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I think about all the time, you know? And, uh, and I think, you know, as a younger person, it would be paralyzing. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm almost 30 right now. And like, if I'm very honest, I have like 30 more years of like ultra productivity, like where I'm kind of at my peak health wise and like able to do X, Y, and Z and like 30 more years before I'm 60 and in my twilight years, you know? So like, I've already lived 30 years. Wasn't that long, you know? Um, <laughs> wow. And so, like, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not, like, breaking down. <laughs> I feel like we're, like, over here causing Amanda, like, massive anxiety. <laughs> so, here's the thing. It wasn't that long. You're right. It wasn't that long. 30 years was not, it's not much time. We didn't remember a lot of it, though. Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's true. We couldn't do much. Couldn't like, do first much. 10 I, the, 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 so if you think of the two halves of 60, the, the second half is much more exciting and much more fun, much more full, I would say. So there we go. There's a good way to help Thank you. cushion that fall. Um, so an unhealthy person void of the gospel, I think, would be crippled by that. You know, like, mm. oh, my gosh, like, I don't have much more time left. What, what do I do? What's the point? You know? Yeah. Um, but someone who understands who Christ is and what the gospel presents to us can say, oh, yeah, like man, I, uh, life is but a vapor. Like I really do have not much time here. There is obviously something bigger at hand, bigger at stake. I should tap into that. And I think fours, a healthy four can see it that way and say like, Hey, because I don't have much more time, this is so dark <laughs> saying it that way, but <laughs> because I don't have much time here it's in this dark, body on this planet, yes. yeah, I should really be smart about what I'm doing with myself, mm -hmm. with my time, with my body, with my years. And I think the gospel obviously presents a solution to that, the solution to that. And I think it's helpful because like you said, like I think a lot of people can just get gotten to, I'm going to get my job, you know, have some kids, like have some property, own some land, like whatever it is that you, you know, helps you like have happy days. The um, American dream. The American dream. And for fours, the American dream isn't enough, I don't think. You know, they need something deeper. They need to know that, that what they're doing matters. Uh, and it's good to be around people who remind you that, yeah, life is fleeting. <laughs> yeah. Not that life is fleeting, but that uh, life is but a vapor, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, People who are yeah. honest. Yeah, honest and healthy. I think those are, yeah. it's a winning combination, yeah. uh, in my opinion. So honesty without health, I think, is could be a little more crippling. But, uh, yeah. And it's interesting because distinction. Sorry, that's yeah, a really good absolutely. distinction. Yes. Like we don't have much time. Life is fleeting. Let's just do whatever. It's like no. Like yeah. our time here is temporary. Uh, there's a bigger story being told. We should tap into that. It's kind of and, like truth without love, you know. Yeah. And the other piece of that is the ability and the the creativity of the four to take take that honesty, take those emotions, take what what they're seeing, what they're processing, what they're observing of life and the reality of that and and create poetry create art create and write be a counselor find purpose in walking other people through through what they're going through and, and helping them face reality um and there's obviously fours can be many professions and it looks different and and for every four and not all fours are singer songwriters like you but you just happen to be like the singer songwriter yes <laughs> yes um but i i think 
that is the gift that fours bring to every field that they're in and every relationship that they're in is they see things the way that they are. If they're healthy, they learn to process that in a way with the Lord where they, they have a clear purpose and, and emotional health. And, and then they can take that ability to see things the way they are and also see the beauty in all the tragedy and the beauty and and in God's glory and the way that he encounters people the way that he meets people and in the the rawness of humanity and and so I I yeah I feel like I gained a deeper understanding of the four tonight this is so beautiful I as always just like talking about it so thanks for uh give me a platform to do it so real quick before we finish um just want to know if you know any of like any of your other subtypes your wings uh if you know your other personality info like myers-briggs strength binders discs spiritual gifts that kind of stuff yeah so i know my wing in the within the enneagram and i know about the love languages a little embarrassed to say that but <laughs> no I found, oh, actually yeah that's really interesting i found it super helpful mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I was living with uh, a guy who was uh, engaged and was going through pre- premarital counseling, and they were going through the, the Love Languages book. And so, because I live with them, you know, I was uh, just kind of listening in on his readings, and we would talk about it because we thought it was interesting. And uh, so, I, my best friend, I found out his love language is quality time, and my love language is physical touch, words of affirmation. Actually, words of affirmation first, and then physical touch. And quality time, like, I don't get it. I just, like, we're just going to sit and not talk. Like, that's, that was, I think it was helpful knowing that because that was way before the whole Enneagram thing happened for me. And so I knew that it was something to be taken seriously. Like, if just because I feel a certain way does not mean that I should assume that they are this way as well. And so when I learned about the Enneagram, I already had that in my head of like, oh, like, I feel this way. I experience the world through this lens. I should not assume that everyone else is doing that also. Mm-hmm. And I should pay careful attention to what lens they are seeing, seeing seeing things through. And if I do, I think that that can help me interact better and, you know, communicate better. So what's your wing? My wing? My wing is three. So I'm a four wing three, which is very common for artists because it helps to have that sense of drive and achievement. And uh, yeah, I've seen that manifest itself in a lot of ways like understanding that i can't just make songs i have to wake up at a certain time every day i have to make sure i'm eating right going to the gym making an agenda and keeping track of like is this song getting streamed like are people listening to this um is this song getting in front of people are these shows getting advertised well like are people attending if they're not attending why are they not attending and i think the three wing helps me tap into that which is helpful and i think because it's a wing i don't see it as a the whole idea of like, um, you know, because if you want to be a career musician or a career songwriter, you have to be a little bit of a business person. And I think a lot of artists feel like those two things are at odds. And I don't feel like they are at all. I think I think being an artist makes me a more honest and more healthy business person. And I think a desire to be a successful business person allows me to actually make art the way I want to make it and not have it just getting get hid, hidden under a rock you know uh, every time i make something new okay one more question are there any stereotypes of your type that you feel are not true um you know i think they're all true if i'm being honest and i think they're true if you're unhealthy like i i think if you're an unhealthy four you have a slew of problems that people are very on the nose on if they <laughs> call you out you know so people saying that fours are mopey i would say yeah if you're an unhealthy four 
um, you're probably pretty mopey or you're just sad all the time or you you always go off of what you feel. I think if I think if you're an unhealthy four, you absolutely do all of that. And I think every stereotype is true if you're unhealthy. And I think that the quest is to be a healthy version. So my grandmother used to say, uh, people will call you whatever, but what matters is what you answer to. And so I, I, I'm like an advocate for the Enneagram and I talk about it all the time. And I think people assume certain things about me and I just don't care because I'd like to show them the truth with how I live, how I interact, how I process. And so, yeah. Uh, that might be a harsh answer, but I... No, that's so good. <laughs> that's amazing. And you're the first person to, like, just say they're all true. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all are. They, they can be. And I think if you're... I think it's a, a cautionary tale to not... If, the, if, the, if you find that there are stereotypes that exist and you're uh, examples of them, it's a sign that you should do some work and read a book, listen to a podcast, go see a pastor or a counselor and figure out why you're sinking into these stereotypes. I think that that's a, an important warning sign to pay attention to. Wow. So good. Plot twist. Oh. I love it. <laughs> Such a good answer. And I love your grandmother. Like, what an amazing quote. Okay, so Joseph, where can people follow you, listen to your music? Where can they find all the things? Yeah, if you search for Joseph Neville on Spotify, you can see all the music I've ever created. Um, my Instagram handle, Facebook website is all Joe Pat Nev, uh, Joseph Patrick Neville. And uh, yeah, uh, I have a Patreon and that has helped me survive the pandemic and has helped me continue to release music and travel. And so I'm very thankful for that. So patreon.com slash Joe Pat Nev is the best way for people to stay in touch and be supportive. And I'm incredibly thankful for the handful of people that are on there. So. Man, I didn't know you had a Patreon. Yeah, I should probably talk about it more. Yeah, you should, because John and I would totally support you. It's only a dollar a month, and uh, I'm trying to get to 100 patrons by the wow. end of the year. I feel like a horrible friend, because like, I should definitely do that. Well, I'll send you a link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you text, said it. I have it on tape. Text me a link. <laughs> it's so worth it, though. Your music is so good. Thanks. Like, If any of our listeners, I feel like people who like the Enneagram would also like your music because thanks, thanks. feelings and yeah. all that, what we talked about. And that love know? song that I showed you earlier, like I love uh, that because yeah. it's, it's a love song, but it's all about, it's not saying like, look how great things are. I love you so much. It says, even when things are, man, like the world has gone to hell and life is hard right now, but I promise you the one thing that you can count on is like, I am not going anywhere. And I think that that is something that force will get a kick out of and um i like writing songs that are a little bit of a different take on like i don't know classic feely lovey-dovey stuff all right guys that's it for today tune in next week for our interview with our type five if you love this episode or if you learned something new today please leave a review on itunes follow us on instagram at originality podcast or at my personal instagram at just loves personality where all the fun enneagram content lives and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. But I'd like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time. Wow, that's good. <laughs> that was so funny. I didn't know the podcast.